Ladies and gentlemen, you found the program that pulls no punches, that knocks out political correctness, and delivers a right cross to defend the Constitution. We call it Fighting Words. And now, entering the ring, retired infantry colonel, trial lawyer, and fighter for truth and justice, Kurt Schlichter. Hey, this is Kurt Schlichter, Fighting Words, the Hugh Hewitt Affiliated Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this post super tuesday what what's what 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 is wednesday is it kind of like hangover wednesday i'm a little hungover not from drinking you crazy people um although i do have a glass of chateau Lateau tonight 2015 nearby me as i record this we have a lot to talk about folks first i want to uh let you guys know since you are a hugh hewitt affiliate bunch of people hugh has asked me to sit in for him monday tuesday and wednesday of next week that is the 9th 10th and 11th of march year of our lord 2020 so i will be getting up at like 1 a.m because i'm in cali I got to drive to the studio. I got to prep with Generalissimo Duane. And then I got to do the show for three hours. Then I got to come home. Then I got to work because I'm a powerful and noted Los Angeles trial lawyer, as well as senior columnist for Town Hall and the author of such books as Collapse and the upcoming Regnery Tome 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You It Drops. July 7th. I want you to go out and get that thing when it happens. Let's talk. Let's talk turkey. And boy, we got a turkey, at least a guy who kind of physically resembles one and who is about as all there is one. Uh, That's Joe Biden, in case you were wondering. Look, we're going to talk Super Tuesday. We're going to talk Bloomberg getting out. Warren staying in. I want to talk about Chuck Schumer's a bizarre and kind of frightening attack on the Supreme Court justices, Neil Gorsuch and uh, Brett Kavanaugh, because that was a little troubling, but almost as troubling as the response to it. Then I want to get in there and get something that's completely Hugh Hugh-esque. I want to talk a little about Navy maintenance. So you go ahead, stick around to the end when we talk about Navy maintenance programs, because that's the kind of quality entertainment you come to the Hugh Hewitt affiliated podcast, Fighting Words with Kurt Schlichter for. I promise it won't be a Badan death march. Uh, in fact, unless we fix it, we may have another Batan death march. There's nothing I like better than name checking famous Pacific defeats. Let's talk about Super Tuesday. Um, I'm trying to figure this out. And here's what I'm trying to figure out. Is Bernie Sanders really losing? I mean, Bernie Sanders is behind. He needs 1900, uh, uh, everybody needs 1991 delegates to get the Democrat nomination, right? Needs 1991. And nobody's got, as I understand it right now, nobody's got more than 400, uh, Joe Biden, who's probably unaware of it, but in fact, he's got something like 380. Uh, 
Bernie's got somewhere in the 320s. And these numbers can change because California hasn't reported yet because California is a third world country without the competence or the infrastructure. Um, so we're not even, you know, I, me and the fancy math, we're about a fourth of the way, you know, uh, nobody's more than 25% towards the, uh, and, and, and closer, 20% of the number of delegates that they need. And the media is already proclaiming Joe Biden horrific. We got a Bidenami, a tsunami of Joe going out to win this thing. He's, he's already won. Why are you even fighting, Bernie? It's over. Is this a triumph of hope over experience? Because the election's not done yet. I mean, we got some huge states. We have Florida, Pennsylvania, New York. None of these have been heard from. Uh, all of these are potential Bernie Sanders wins. And yet we're being told that Biden has won. Why are we being told that? I think it's because the establishment, as Hugh has pointed out, is terrified of having a socialist on the ballot. Somebody who says he's a socialist. Now, Joe Biden will not say he's a socialist, but you can't trust Joe Biden because what he says doesn't matter. He is an empty vessel into which will be poured the hopes, dreams, and aspirations of the Democrat elite. He represents their corruption. He represents their grubby interest mongering. He represents the failure of our establishment over the last 30 years. That's Joe Biden. Say what you will about Bernie Sanders. And I will say he's the scumbag adherent of an ideology that murdered 100 million people. I don't think he's cute. I don't think he's funny. I don't like him. And I think he's an anti-American scumbag. Back and I know Hugh Hewitt doesn't like calling people names, but I'm not Hugh Hewitt. I'm Kurt Schlichter, and I'm going to call it. He's a terrible person, but he may very well win the Democrat nomination by playing by the rules, which is ironic because communists at best get one election and then they stop it, and then it's Venezuela forever. So we've got. Joe Biden, who is the repository of the hopes and dreams of the Democrat establishment to come back and make things, you know, make America corporatist again, make America corrupt again, make it easy for them to cash in again. And remember, it's not just the Democrats. There are a number of Republicans who would be happy to go back to the way it was where they sit at the kids' table and get a few scraps, but they're happy because Donald Trump is scary and he and he's disruptive and, you know, he tweets mean things. Eww. Oh, shut up, gee. You saps. Anyway, Biden hasn't won this, not by a long shot. We keep being told he did. Now, we got Buttigieg is out, you know, the noted war hero. Um, look, I, I know what it's like to have gone to a war zone and not done anything heroic. I literally ran a heavily armed car wash in Desert Storm. And there's nothing wrong with that. I did my job. I did it well. I took care of my people. Buttigieg, by all accounts, if you put aside his insane number of photographs of him <laughs> posing with his M4, you know, he went and he did his job. Okay, great. You know, you just don't just, you're not Audie Murphy. OK, you're not even Murphy Brown. You're just a little dude who looks like Alfred E. Newman 
and you're annoying and stop bragging about it. So I, I was not unhappy to see him go. I know Hugh likes him because long ago he actually came on Hugh's show. It would have been very smart if he kept coming on Hugh's show and showed he was something different than a slacker opportunist. But uh, I, I, I don't think he was. Again, Hugh Hewitt would not say those things because Hugh Hewitt's a polite guy. I'm not a polite guy. I had my polite list removed in law school. Um, anyway, so Buttigieg is out. He's supporting Sanders. Uh, not Sanders. Oh, my gosh. What am I saying? He's supporting Joe Biden, of course. Amy Klobuchar is out. She's thrown her last binder at an intern. She is out. She's supporting Bernie Sanders. Beto's come back. Where was he? The furry. He's supporting uh, Joe Biden. Everybody's supporting Joe Biden. And I think Elizabeth Warren is supporting Joe Biden. Really? What? She's still in the race. You know, Bloomberg is dropped. Uh, Bloomberg's supporting Biden, too. But this, uh, the unhappy halfling has quit the race, uh, $500 million spent, and all he's got is the most delegates in American Samoa. And look, I'm not dissing American Samoa. I'm sure of all the Samoas, the American Samoa is the best. Let's make American Samoa great again, but you're not going to do that nominating a guy like Michael Bloomberg. What the heck? Anyway, he is out after having spent all this money, and he's he's backing Biden. He's, he's going to be writing checks. He's going to be doing his highest and best purpose, which is uh, making it rain, so to speak, because he's Mike Bloomberg, and that's all that Mike Bloomberg does. Mike Bloomberg wants to be a, uh, a guy making moves at the convention. Buttigieg wants to make moves at convention. Klobuchar, well, she wants to be vice president, although I think Biden, if he wins— and he's going to win, and I'll tell you why in a second. If he wins, he's going to pick Kamala Harris, uh, which I actually think is a worse idea than Amy Klobuchar, but Joe Biden's not asking me. He's asking his invisible friend, a talking carrot named Sam. You see, because he's not all there. He is He is a mess. Um, and he's, uh, but, but he's getting the help of Elizabeth Warren, because Elizabeth Warren is siphoning some of the Chardonnay liberal votes away from Bernie Sanders. Uh, I think most of those votes would go Bernie Sanders. Some, some would go to Biden, but I think most would go Bernie Sanders. I think she's staying in, and I think there's a reason, and I think she's been offered something. Now, look, call me cynical, but I'm a Los Angeles trial lawyer, and cynical is my middle name, Kurt Cynical Schlichter. Uh, you can check that on my driver's license, uh, which, you know, I didn't have to show ID to get. I just said I was a legal alien and they gave me one. Anywho, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, that's really the race. And Joe Biden's got this uh, fake Indian anchor around his neck holding his back, holding him back while Joe Biden has a clear path towards uh, potential victory. But by, uh, Biden is not one yet. Bernie Sanders is the heart and soul of the Democrat Party. Hugh Hewitt is, as he usually is, correct about this. And he's correct that America should have a choice. If you're going to be a socialist, be a socialist. Don't be a half-stepper. Don't be a faker. Don't be whatever's being poured into Joe Biden. Again, he is an empty vessel. He will be poor. He will have poured into him whatever the establishment wants. And the establishment wants to mollify the base. And the base wants a socialist. Base wants a socialist. And uh, that's, uh, you know, one way or another, that's, that's what they may get. So. We've got a real race. And what happens in the convention? 
I think Bernie Sanders co- gets close enough to be competitive and has the election stolen from him. Now, would it objectively, would it be stolen? It doesn't really matter what it matter. What matters is what his people think. Do his people feel that they have been mistreated? Do his people feel they have been ripped off? Do his people feel they have been humiliated once again? Now, if you're dumb enough to be a socialist, and you've got to be either stupid or evil to be a socialist, I'm going to say stupid because I'm going to uh, I'm going to look on the bright side and give people the benefit of the doubt that they're uh, you know it, again that they're adherents of a ideology that butchered 100 million people uh, because they're dumb and not because they think butchering 100 million people is a cool thing though some of them do you can tell because I'm on Twitter and I I see it what are they going to do. I think most of these saps, because you've got to be a sap to vote for Bernie Sanders unless you're actively evil, I think most of these saps are just going to take their humiliation. I think they're going to suck it up, and I think they are going to allow themselves uh, once again, as they were in 2016, to be humiliated by the Democrat establishment. And moreover, I think most of them will come around and they will vote for whoever the Democrats tell them to vote for. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I think they will vote for whoever they're told to, no matter how mad they are. Now, you're thinking, God, that's pathetic. Gosh, that is humiliating. Gosh, what kind of loser takes that kind of mistreatment and says, thank you, Sam, I have another, a Bernie Sanders voter. Because they're lame people. Remember, these are the people who decided it was a super smart idea to take $200,000 in loans out to get a gender studies degree from Yale. This is, this is their level of brain power. Of course they are soft. Of course they are spineless. Of course they are total failures at the game of life. So where are we on Super Tuesday? We do have a fight. And Bernie Sanders could very well win it. The media is telling you it's lost. The media is telling you Bernie Sanders must fail because they're more afraid of Bernie Sanders than they are Joe Biden. I don't know if that's a good idea. Hugh Hewitt certainly has his opinion. Hugh Hugh thinks that uh, uh, Joe Biden is a worse candidate. And there is an argument to be made that he is correct. Because Joe Biden's a terrible candidate. He has completely lost it. He is a festival of gaffes. And if I had a producer, we'd have a whole bunch of gaffes to play for you. But I don't have a producer. I just kind of do this podcast on my own because, you know, you want you want unmitigated Kurt when you come to the uh, Fighting Words podcast with Kurt Schlichter. But it, it's it, it's truly remarkable. It is truly remarkable how bad Joe Biden is. Now, how are we going to get that information out there? Because we're going to be, we're going to be hit by money like you wouldn't believe. Bloomberg will write whatever check he's got to write. You know, if he wrote $10 billion in checks, that would be a little less than one-sixth of his income. I think he could probably survive pretty good on $46 billion billion dollars and he might just do that um the democrats are gonna have a lot of money and they're gonna have a high turnout now uh, apparently the turnout numbers were very good for democrats although really were they because where are those turnout numbers 
Yellow, I mean, were they in places like California? Who cares? No, really, who cares? Ca- Look, I know there are people going, can't, Trump can take California. Trump Trump can't take California. That's just not going to happen. But who cares if California loses, you know, by 30 points, which is, you know, a lot, uh, several percentage points on the national vote. Uh, national popular vote, which isn't a thing, but kind of is a thing because they've made it a thing. Who really cares? I don't care. I, I don't care. I, I, I don't care if uh, uh, Trump wins through the Electoral College again because the Electoral College is how you win the presidency because this is America and not Vox.com. Biden is a bad candidate in a lot of ways. And, and, and one of his problems is that he's going to, he's like a chameleon. He's going to adopt whatever he's you know whatever surfaced in texture and color he's again next to he's going to adopt that you know if it's plaid he's plaid if it's bright yellow it's he's bright yellow and if he's around the global warming nuts he's going to tell you i'm going to stop fracking and put 100 million people out of business how's that going to play in places like pennsylvania i know we have well he's just have a beer with me biden not anymore He's talking about putting hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Pennsylvania families into poverty. You know, that's, he, he said it. It, you know, the, the tape is in the vault. You think that isn't going to be an ad? You think, I'm going to put Beto in charge of guns. You think that's not going to be an ad? What he said to get the Democrat nomination is going to come and bite him hard in the places that matter. Let me tell you something, New Yorkers. Let me tell you something. Like, dude, Californians, you don't matter. You're nothing. You don't matter. Not at all. Not even a little. Again, if Trump loses by 50 points in each of them, so what? Sad trombone sound. Doesn't matter. Interesting stuff going on, though. We had some uh, congressional races in California. Now, I've been paying attention to one. One uh, Remember Katie Hill? That was the uh, thruple gal. She got, had that horrible picture of her sitting on a, uh, uh, a chair at a hotel. And it, it, she wasn't wearing clothes. And it was, it was rather appalling. Um, there's a, that's, a, that's a swing seat. She won it very narrowly. There's a Democrat in there. And it's essentially AOC. Um, the guy who won the race for the Republican was a guy named Mike Garcia. Mike Garcia is a Navy fighter pilot. I will have him on the Hugh Hewitt radio program next week. A uh, great guy. Got him on my cell phone. I talk to him every once in a while. He's a good guy. Um, he's also in the race against the Democrat. And let me tell you something. The guy who was third, because California has these jungle primaries that don't go by party. He... Uh, and the guy in second, that, they add up to about 45% of the vote, right? Against like 33% for the, the number one person who is the Democrat. So those votes are going to go to Mike Garcia. Mike Garcia stands a good chance of snagging this uh, House seat back. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. I think we're going to see a lot of people in these swing districts that went for the Democrats 
in 2018 because they said, well, you know, I want to work across party lines and bipartisan problem solving and blah, 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 blah. And all they did is end up voting for impeachment and all the other garbage that Nancy Pelosi made them. And I think we're going to see Republicans come back. I do not. I, I think I think we're certain to take the House if Bernie Sanders is nominated. I think we are likely to take the House if Joe Biden is nominated. It's battle by battle, though. It's seat by seat fighting. Got to get in there. Got to be tough. Got to hustle. But we're doing it. It's all under the radar. You're not seeing it. Not yet, at least. But you will. Sean Parnell out in Pennsylvania, uh, 17. Selena Zito knows this guy. Sean is a uh, ex-Army guy because Army guys are the best studs in the world, says the Army guy. And he's going after Connor Lamb, who's a Marine. I won't hold that against him. I'll hold these Democrat sap against him. That I'll hold these Nancy Pelosi's puppet against him. I'll hold that he ran as a moderate against him and votes pretty much down the line with AOC. I'll hold all that against him. And, of course, this is uh, outside of Pittsburgh. This is where my ancestors came from. So I mean Selena Zito Bond because we all have that Monongahela Valley thing going on. Me and my jeans, she's still there. Anyway... These are just two examples, Mike Garcia, Sean Parnell, of uh, potential candidates who can snatch back, I won't call them stolen seats, because the Democrats want them fair and square, but we can steal them back fair and square. So I think we're looking at that. I think we've got a really good chance. It's up to Trump. It's up to Trump to draw the line. It's up to Trump to say, this is the record. If you're against me, you're against economic prosperity. If you're against me, you're against ending ridiculous wars. If you are against me, you are for going back to the old relationship with China, which reminded me a lot between the relationship of Zed and the Gimp in Pulp Fiction. I'll let you work that out in your head. It's not a pretty scene. Um... So cautious optimism going forward, even though the, the mainstream media is going to do everything they can to get Joe Biden in because they think he's the best chance of a Trojan donkeying in the kind of a liberal regime that they want to return. I am unconvinced. I think he's going to do terribly. I think we're going to win a lot of people going, no, you know, Trump's done OK. I don't you know, the politics of failure have failed says uh, uh, Kang or Kodos of the Simpsons. That's a pretty heavy and deep reference. I'm not even going to go there, but, you know, if you get it, hey, more power to you. All right, let's talk about Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer uh, today uh, goes out to this uh, pro-baby killing gathering as the Supreme Court considers a Louisiana law that basically means abortion mills have to meet the same medical standards. Every other medical clinic has to meet. Um, admittedly, most medical clinics are concerned with saving lives rather than snuffing them out. But anyway, so he says, um, you know, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, you're going to believe the hit you're going to take if you, if you, if you vote to, vote to uh, uh, support this law, this Louisiana law. Uh, you know, we're going to get you. It's very threatening. He's very threatening. He's so threatening, John Roberts actually, you know, and John, you know, I know he's a friend of Hughes, but I'm not a big John Roberts fan. I think John Roberts is soft. 
But uh, John Roberts actually wrote, you know, you, you can't be threatening people. And of course, Trump tweets about it. Lawrence Tribe actually says, no, you, 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 you can't threaten judges, Schumer. What does Schumer do? Now, if Schumer wasn't a, uh, a horrid mollusk, he would have gone, oh my God, hey, everybody, gosh, I, you know, I looked at the tape. And that really looks bad. I didn't mean to threaten anybody, but boy, it sounded like, and there's no place for that in politics. I want to apologize to Justice Gorsuch, Kavanaugh. You know, I, that's, you know, I, I, I'm not contributing to things by throwing that kind of uh, vitriol in. And we should all move forward. And I hope you accept my apology. And that, that, that actually would have been a good thing. Did he do that? No, he doubled down. He's like, well, I, I, I didn't do it. I know it's on videotape. I know what I said. But I was really talking about uh, the Senate GOP. Yeah. I mean, I didn't mention them. I, I mentioned the Supreme Court justices. But but y- you know what I mean, because lies and garbage. And that's pretty much what Schumer spews and, in fact, is. <sighs> I find it very annoying. Not that he's hostile, not even that he's aggressive. I don't mind hostility and I don't mind aggressive. I'm, I am not a fan of civility as a thing, as a concept, as a guidepost, uh, because I don't believe it exists to preserve debate. I believe it exists to stifle debate on the non-establishment side. And you can tell because the news media did not go crazy over this. Imagine if Donald Trump said, you'll pay a price. You won't believe how hard you'll get hit. Sotomayor and uh, Breyer and uh, Ruth Gator, Bin- Gator Binsburg, Gator Binsburg, Ellen Kagan, Ellen, uh, Ellen Kagan. You won't believe this. You'd go nuts. You'd have every Democrat out there screaming. You'd have every media guy going to Republicans. Do you, do you, um... Do you, do you repudiate Donald Trump's evil words or whatever senator's evil words? And that's not happening here. There are a few people. Lawrence Tribe stood up, and I, I am not a fan of Tribe, and I, I think he's losing a step too. But I, I think he was absolutely right in criticizing Schumer for it. And he said, look, Schumer's my friend, but he's absolutely wrong on this. And I, okay. Uh, but for the most part, the Democrats are happy. Sheldon Whitehouse who's kind of a non-entity from uh, the the New England states, one of, I think it's Rhode Island. He he basically excused, it's, it's a good thing. Everybody on Twitter thinks it's a great thing. Okay. Civility is not a thing unless it applies to everybody. If it doesn't apply to everybody, and it only applies to some people, it is designed to shut some people up. It is designed to take some things and arguments off the table. I don't believe in two sets of rules. You get one set of rule, and it's lowest common denominator. I'll I'll give you the chance to say, you pick the rules. Now, if you pick, I will have the high-minded rules. I will not personally insult you. I will not slander you. I will not uh, attack you. And that's how you come at me then that's the rule and that's a rule I'll obey. And frankly, you know, you come, you, that, that can be a position of strength. And you, you see it from Hugh Hewitt because the people, you know, and Hugh is always pleasant, polite to people. It takes a lot to get mad. Uh, that's the rule that he sets and he enforces it with people. And he usually gets it back. 
And sometimes it's because people naturally want to have a higher level of conversation. Sometimes it's because you just look stupid if you if somebody's being classy and you are unclassy. But if somebody starts off, and again, I let the other side set the rules. You tell me how it's going. Because if you want, you know, if you want the high-minded debates as we... Uh, you know, sip from a glass of port. That's fine. I can rock and roll with that. If you want a knife fight in the mud, let's go. You choose. It's up to you. Schumer's chosen. But too often, Republicans think that we are bound to some sort of standard that no one else follows. I don't play that. The enemy never gets to do something we don't get to do. How do I know what we get to do? Because of what the enemy does. Are you saying Schumer's the enemy? I'm saying Schumer's the enemy. He's my enemy. He wants to take my freedoms. Um, and he should be defeated. So anyway, that's about Schumer. Right there. That's Schumer. Let's talk about a subject near and dear to my heart. It's about naval maintenance. And uh, Hugh Hewitt is a big Navy guy, as you know. Looking at the 355-ship Navy, which the Navy apparently has scheduled for, well, hold on, 2047. 2047. We're going to go up from 280 ships to 355. A lot to accept there. And, of course, Admiral Stavridis is a, a regular guest. He's got some good insights. I've been reading Victor Davis Hanson's The Second World Wars, and it's a very interesting book. I read it going to CPAC and coming back. I very rarely have a chance to just sit down and read a book, and I chose this one. I'm glad I did. It's not exciting in the way you might think. It's not a lot about throwing grenades and jumping into foxholes and shooting your M1 Garand. It is, a lot of it is about production, production capacity, strategy, and choices on weapon systems. There's an old saying in the military, amateurs study tactics, professionals study logistics. The American way of war is to win through logistics. And he talks about the incredible gear up of the United States to prepare for World War II. We were only in it for three and a half years. We ended up building like 6,000 ships, right? We need to build 75 and it's going to take us 27 years. Ridiculous. First of all, I gotta say, if I was the president and I said I want a I want a budget that gives me 355 ships, and my navy secretary showed up with a budget that did not give me 355 ships, I would have a new navy secretary. This has two important events. It gets a obstacle out of the way and sends an important message to the rest of the commanders that I, as the commander in chief, when I say something, damn it, I'm serious. And you're going to do it or your deputy's going to take over for you as you go and distribute volleyballs at Elmendorf Air Force Base outside of Nome, Alaska. Do you read me? So we're taking way too long to build ships, but we have another problem. And this, uh, you know, this is a, a and I'm, I'm, I'm reading up on it. Apparently. We don't have the maintenance capacity for the ships we have. Now, ships are big machines. They are metal. They are full of systems. They are full of, uh, you know, 
devices and electronics and structures and, and, and maintenance is a huge part of it. Anyone who is military, and I used to be heavy, that is, we used to have track vehicles. Maintenance is one of the most important things there is. It is a never-ending struggle. It is a constant challenge. And we simply do not have the capacity just to, not only to perform the emergency maintenance, but to perform the regular maintenance on the ships we have. We have a backlog measured in years. It's unbelievable and unacceptable. But here's the thing. In World War II, we had a limited number of carriers in the Pacific. In the Battle of the Coral Sea, the Lexington was sunk. The Yorktown was badly damaged. It was brought back to Pearl Harbor, and within a period, uh, a very short period, like two months, it was turned around and sent back to sea ready for combat. Now, an aircraft carrier is a huge asset. In World War II, it was... It, it, it may have made a huge difference. Eventually, Yorktown was sunk. Uh, I believe it was sunk at Midway. But it was there for it. <sighs> wow. What happens now if we get down? We can't handle the ships that are damaged now. What happens in a war when the Chinese start sinking or damage? Well, when they start damaging our ships, sinking, you know, it's a, kind of a moot point. What happens when they start damaging our ships? We can't fix them. We can't even do the maintenance we have. And we certainly can't do the miracle we did with the Yorktown. We need that capability. A proper maintenance program is a combat combat power multiplier. A bad maintenance program is an anchor that will drag you to the bottom. So, look, I know I'm an Army guy. My family's all Navy, though. But I'm going to channel Hugh Hewitt here. I know that new ships are sexy, but there's nothing sexier than an additional dry dock that can do preventive maintenance and emergency repairs. That is sexy. That is combat power at the commander's fingertips that otherwise wouldn't be there. And here endeth the lesson. And here endeth this episode of Fighting Words with Kurt Schlichter. Look for me again next week. We're going to be doing this on a regular basis, and I hope you'll join us. Uh, I'd love you to go out and look at my town hall columns every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The one on Wednesday is for the VIP members only. You can use the promo code KURT to get it. You can listen to my unredacted podcast at Town Hall VIP. That one is where I am not necessarily FCC compliant. So you may want to check that out. I want you to check out my uh, books. My newest novel is Collapse. You want to go get that. And um, I certainly hope you'll join me uh, March 9, 10, and 11th next Monday, uh, Tuesday, and Wednesday as I guest host for the great Hugh Hewitt. I will be in touch. Talk to you soon. Kurt Schlichter out.